You want to do it? You want to yep. do it? All right. Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. Today we are on season four, episode eight, Waste. In the opening scene, Benson and Stabler are at the front desk of a super busy hospital, and they're asking the front desk lady for a rape victim they got called in named Stephanie Raleigh. The lady's like, there's nobody here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, fucking just check again. Anyway, so the lady checks the computer and finds out she's in ICU. Also, there's a weird amount of shoving going on at the front desk. Like, (laughs) it's like people outside of a Walmart on Black Friday, like before they open the doors, everybody's like, and it's just a bunch of grown fucking people, but they're all quietly jostling each other around so that we can hear the important dialogue. It's It's like the beginning hospital scene of any fucking zombie movie you've ever seen. There's just a bunch of people shoving around and everybody's like, what's going on? Except it's a regular ass day and the detectives are like, hey, we're here because we have to talk to somebody. And everybody's like, shoulder, shoulder. There's a guy in the back with flowers (laughs) lifting his hands and then shaking his head like, (laughs) It's like fresh nope. bread, <laughs> fresh fish. He's like, I need six eggs. <laughs> we catch them, you buy them. That's too expensive. <laughs> um, okay, Maurice the baguettes. <laughs> Maurice the baguettes. <laughs> they find her room. They go in, and she's on life support. And they're like, "What the fuck did this rapist do to her? There's not a mark on her." And there are no defensive wounds. Then Dr. Sedali comes in. He says that she has pneumonia, but she's on the mend. He's actually the one that called in the rape. She was transferred to the hospital for Mount Castle Rehab. She was there because she was in a car accident like a year ago and has been in a coma ever since. And then Steve was like, why the fuck did you call us? Well, the doctor ran an x-ray for the pneumonia and the lab did the standard tests and found that she was six weeks pregnant. This entire episode is like this, where it's just like they're volleying when they could easily get to the answer. But mm-hmm. I think they were stretching it for time. It had to have been for time. I don't know what they were doing, but it's just gaffes and who's on first. And they're like, but what? But why? But what would they be looking for? But what did they find? Oh, my God. She's six weeks a pregnant. Yeah. It, uh, the, All right, theme the, song. The buildup. No, I'm not done. The buildup <laughs> to this was worse than the reveal of Katie in the episode Competence. Remember her Merv Griffin show, Curtain of Hair? Because they were like, we're going to oh, show you right. that she has Down syndrome, but. Yeah. Theme song. All right. So Stephanie's parents are there now, and they are fucking pissed, of course. I recognize the mom, Janice. Okay, who's she? I called up Google, and what do you know? It's actor Joe Beth Williams. She played Rita's mom in Dexter. That's what I recognized her from. Then, of course, I had to peruse her IMDb for fun, and this bitch was in a TV series called Fish Police. (gasps) Fish Police has episode titles such as The Codfather and No Way to Treat a Felady. No. Yes. Oh my God. Please tell me that it was an intense drama. It was, it was so good. So many fish puns. It was great. She also, How many seasons? I think, um, like half of them. I think one? it was. <laughs> she was in a handful of episodes, so I'm not sure, but uh, I want to say maybe 200. Mm. It's the longest running series ever. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Not, not a lot. She also played Diane in the first two Poltergeist movies. Diane, the wife? I don't know. I don't watch scary movies, so I assumed that you would know. Mr. Raleigh is fucking Father Curtis from Seinfeld. <laughs> I didn't really watch a whole lot of Seinfeld. I watched a lot, and he's an obscure pole, but he was in one of the most popular episodes, the Yada Yada episode. And there's that classic Elaine line where she's like, we went out to dinner, I had the lobster bisque, we went back to my place, yada, yada, yada. I never called him again. And Jerry's like, you yada yada over the best part. And she's like, I mentioned the bisque. <laughs> She is the mom in Poltergeist. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. Oh, is that she? The, she's the mom? Yeah. Anyway, these are Stephanie's parents. Yeah. The mom and dad are fighting back and forth. And the mom says, I could have taken care of her at home. I knew she should have been with me. And dad says, quote, prayer wasn't going to bring her back, Janice. <laughs> Mount Castle was our last hope. I clung to the name Janice so hard in this. All my notes. I was wondering <laughs> what that was throughout all of your notes it was like janice with like 10 a's in it the dad tells benson stabler that he thinks he knows who did it the mom was like it's david the man she was living with 
It is. He gets treated like shit. Mm -hmm. So David is the dude. Mm -hmm. She was living with him. And the dad says the car accident was his fault. They have a restraining order against David because mom says that he went to Mount Castle and tried to kill Stephanie. What? Yeah. At Leak Walleye Architecture, David, a.k.a. Who's also a bluegill. (laughs) Fish police. (laughs) Put your fins up. David, aka Danny from Dawson's Creek. I am referencing all of the 90s and early aughts. Don't don't arrest me. I have thousands of children. (laughs) 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 Fucking fish jokes. (sighs) This guy looks. I'm just waiting for you to throw another fucking fish thing at me right now. I'm done. um, I swear. I don't believe you, but I don't believe me either. I don't believe me either. <laughs> David looks like if Gary Gullman and Wish.com Patrick Swayze morphed into one person. Wow. Yes. He tells Munch and Toots that he didn't try to kill Stephanie. They had lived together for six years and had talked about everything. She told him that if there was ever an accident where she was on life support forever, that she wanted someone to pull the plug. At this point, it's not even clear if they're just roommates yeah. or friends. Like, they... The parents literally were like... Minimized the role he had in her life. The man she lived with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He never actually tried to pull the plug on Stephanie, but her parents convinced a judge that he might. So that's why there was a restraining order. First of all, Cabot would fucking never. I know. They can't... That doesn't make sense that that would... There's no way that that... You can't get a restraining order against somebody. That goes on somebody's record. Like, you can't get a restraining order against somebody for something that you think they might do. Right. That's precog shit, and that's not... The world we're in. Yeah. We live in a world of fish. Under the sea, motherfuckers. <laughs> fish police. <laughs> Tooth asks David about his current sex life. David's pissed because he knows that they're insinuating that he raped Stephanie. And he's mm-hmm. like, I haven't seen her in months. I wanted to be there, but her parents won't let me. He says that he could have been there and protected her from whatever perv did this to her. Toot says, you blame them even though you're the one that put her in the vegetable crisper? What? What the fuck? There's so many. What the fuck? The amount of grocery puns that they make in the name of somebody being in a vegetative state is so fucked up. It's weird. We get it. It's the low hanging vegetable. Like you can't. That was not a joke. That was not a joke I was trying to make. It's just odd because it's like a a rape victim and she's like seriously ill and people are hurting about it. And they're like, look at that piece of zucchini sitting there. You know, you're like, right. What? I hope that cucumber wakes up or whatever. (laughs) It's like that pile of string beans really would pair well with a nice walleye. (laughs) Fish police. Vegetables and fish. This is the healthiest episode of SVU that has ever happened. (laughs) So these guys are being fucking hard on David. I don't love it. Especially Toots was so brutal to David unnecessarily. Mm. David tells them that the night of the accident, it was his bachelor party. Screech. Record scratch. Mm -hmm. They were fucking engaged, these two, David and Stephanie. So his buddies dragged him to some strip club and he got smashed. And by the end of the night was like, I want my fiance. And he called Stephanie to come and pick him up. And Toots will not let him finish a fucking story and said, can I finish a goddamn story? (laughs) (laughs) And Toots interrupts and goes, you being the man, you wanted to drive even though you had a few. And David's like, um, nah. She never showed up. She got hit by a fucking truck on the way. Oh, man. Munch and Toots are doing a walk and talk with Craig in, and Munch thinks that David seems legit. And Toots is like, I don't know. I still kind of feel like I should be a dick about it. <laughs> They're not ruling him out, but they are leaning more toward the rape being one of the staff at the rehab. Benson mm-hmm. and Stabler are interviewing the coma staff right now. Toots brings up an idea that I'd never really thought of before. You know, the whole underreported coma patient rapes is probably really high yeah. because they can't report. So these guys are just like walk and talk and trying to figure shit out. Craig stops Cabot and asks her what it would take to be able to do a blanket DNA test over the entire facility. And she's like, um, a fucking constitutional amendment, you idiots. <laughs> you <And> Toots- <laughs> stupid bitches. It's like, I'm just asking a question. <laughs> She's like, you're all fucking dumb. I know it. A constitutional amendment. She does that head nod thing that the guy from that fucking viral video. What is it? She came down in a bubble, Doug. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Grow up. A constitutional amendment, Doug. And Toots is like, yeah, but we wanna. She's like, okay, well, this shit doesn't cover probable cause, even though they know that the rape happened there. Mm -hmm. And Craigan's like, but what about in Germany? There was that whole town of 16,000 men who were DNA tested. Well, that was all volunteer-based. I want to hear that. I got to look up that story. Yeah, but that was volunteer-based. So that is not a thing that you have to have a warrant for. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, let's do that. And she's like, and it's soups expensive, you guys. It's 600 bucks a head to do these DNA tests. Craigan goes, well, that's him looking back and forth really hard across the room. He's getting all shifty and says that they won't all be processed. Gather the DNA first, then we'll narrow down the suspects and <laughs> test who we think it could be. And if they can't get somebody to volunteer, that kind of says more than the actual evidence that they can gather with getting DNA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. At Mount Castle Rehab, this lady wearing the same wig Sarah Paulson wore when she played Marsha Clark in that OJ series a couple of years ago oh is... <laughs> She's telling Benson and Stabler that she gave their lab tech everyone's name who had worked six weeks ago with Stephanie. Everyone. Most of the nurses working with her are women except for Clark Jensen, Stephanie's physical therapist and her neurologist, Dr. Mandel. Mm -hmm. Benson and Stabler walk in on Dr. Mandel in a patient's room while he's doing like a spinal tap thing. He's Bruce Davison from fucking Ozark. What? His actor name is Bruce Davison. He's Ozark. in Ozark. He plays Senator Randall Schaefer. <gasps> That's right. Okay. And he's also Wick Thayer on Seinfeld. Who was he in Fish Police? <laughs> First, I almost was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't write that one down. I don't know. <laughs> he played Captain Cod. Oh my God. I was going to say Dr. Cod. Are you kidding me? <laughs> No fucking way. I was just gearing up to do it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love you. I have, my salamis are fucking pepperoni right now. <laughs> oh, and he was also fucking George Henderson on Harry and the Hendersons, the series. I love the movie, but this guy was in the series. Wait, George Henderson? The, the dad. dad. No, yeah. that was... Uh... I know. That was in the movie. He played George Henderson in the series. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. This on. dude works more than... Anyone that I have yet to look up. Really? 278 acting credits. Whoa. That's like constant. The next highest that I can remember is like 150 or some shit. Like mm. that would be high. So he's the only one in the room with the patient and Stabler thinks that's odd. He's like, why don't you have a chaperone? And Dr. Mandel says that the chaperone policy isn't to protect the patient. It's actually to protect the doctor from false allegations and coma patients can't make any. Also, can you guys wait until he's done with this spinal procedure <laughs> that he's doing on a patient? Can you wrap that up and have us? I don't want doctors in there when I'm having a medical procedure done. At Jesus. Detectives, you mean? Detectives. I don't want doctors in there when I'm having a medical procedure done. It's fish <laughs> or it's <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Two bluegills and a sunny and that's it. <laughs> this doctor better be a pile of mackerel put into a jacket. <laughs> He's aware of what had happened to Stephanie. He says that he often examined Stephanie alone because her parents always wanted him to do tests twice to see if her shit would change. But it was looking grim for her. And he's totally fine with volunteering his DNA. So that confused me. In the PT area, Munchitudes finds Stephanie's physical therapist, Clark Jensen. He says he works with Stephanie three times a week. He also has a special routine for coma patients. And then he says, I can do them in their beds. And Munch is like, you don't say, because you know how they say everything is like, did you yeah. do her? So they pull him aside for a little chat. And the guy he's working on is uh, like just wide eyed. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> did you see him? He was like, yeah. the camera was pulling away and he kept putting his head like in the frame. <laughs> Clark says he was first in line to volunteer for DNA. He's really proud of it. Yeah. He doesn't know who could have raped Stephanie. He says that he saw Stephanie's boyfriend with her a month ago. When he heard David's side of the story, he felt bad for him and didn't report it. And then they're like, well, where was he? And Clark was like, well, when I walked in, um, David was sleeping in her bed and like looks back and forth like I fucked up, didn't I? And the camera zoomed in like, whoa, really hard into his face. Yeah. Munch and Toots are on the street and they roll up on David with a bunch of people and they're like, you're a fucking liar. And he's like, you're wrong. David's like, I had to because fucking Stephanie's parents would have had me arrested for breaking the restraining order. He said he stayed away for as long as he could, but started visiting about once a month. There's a night shift nurse who kind of feels bad for him and looks the other way. 
and then the people who are with David kind of start to hear, and he's like, let's walk over here, please. Because they're throwing around restraining order and rape. And mm-hmm. He says at night, Stephanie gets agitated and twitches, and he just holds her because it seems to calm her down. He's like, they say she has no reaction, but like she moves, you know? Ugh. He has zero problem giving his DNA. He wants to find the dude that rapes Stephanie just as much as they do. This guy is just getting dragged. Every fucking scene that we see him with, like, you think he's not struggling with the guilt of having her come get him the night of his bachelor party that was being thrown before he married her? A week later? That's traumatic. They were supposed to get married a week later. He is experiencing trauma, and then his just-about-to-be-in-laws hold it against him and bar him completely from seeing her, and then in his mind, he's like, she might come back, and he wants to be by her side, and he can't. It's crazy. There, yeah. And then he's being abused by the police on top of it? Yeah. David! David, no. Go back to the sea. <laughs> In the precinct, Munch and Toots and Benson and Stabes are walking and talking with a big old pile of donuts, talking about what the fuck is going on. I love that Benny is carrying them and Mm -hmm. hard munching while they all talk. She's got two huge boxes. It's probably two dozen a box piled up on her little arms, little bird arms. And she's going, I don't know, you guys. (laughs) Right. So far, they've found nothing and nobody is objecting to giving their DNA. They're all kind of arguing over David. If he did it, why not admit it? But they were going to be married in a week. I don't know. And Sable was like, yeah, because it feels like David's argument could be if Stephanie could give consent, she would have. So David's the best case scenario for them. And Benson's Mm kind of like, what? And we're all kind of like, what? Like, even if they're married, she doesn't. None of that means automatic consent. A Mm -hmm. fucking... Uh, boisterous and enthusiastic yes is consent. The end. Yeah, you, this is go- you can rape your wife. Yeah, this is like a weird stretch. We already know about this. Like, they all know this mm-hmm. stuff. They're fucking being weird. Yeah. <sighs> Munch says, well, it's not like she's facing psychological trauma over this. She's produce. Wow. Fucking what? Yeah. <laughs> See, it was like a take on the vegetable thing, but I like, <laughs> you know, did my little munch spin on it. It was good, right? Uh-huh. Well, Benny's on the phone right next to him and looks up and says, Mrs. Raleigh! Like, shut the fuck up, munch. I'm on the phone with Stephanie's mom. Janice. Janice, you idiot. So Benny goes on with her phone call and munch shuts up for five seconds so she's talking to janice who's freaking out fucking stephanie has been transferred back to the rehab center why would they send her back to where she was raped and they're all like what let's go there and they're like get in formation and they all make a little flying v but the fish version the little school so at mount castle rehab oh my god a little fish beige pantsuit for cabot Do I have to draw this? Probably. All of them as fish. At the rehab center, Stephanie's mom is freaking out on that one lady that was talking to Benson and Stabler. Yeah, the one in that wet-ass curly wig. (laughs) She's like, I don't understand why everybody's fucking freaking out. Even though they fucking transferred Stephanie back to the facility where she was raped and put her back in the same fucking room. Mm -hmm. She's like, why is everybody freaking out? She's not even in the room. She's in a procedure room with Dr. Mandel. And I'm like, oh, my God, he ordered it. What did he fucking order? This is another scene where they're like, well, she's in the procedure room. What's she doing in the procedure room? Well, he ordered it. I don't know. He ordered what? Bitch, what? (laughs) Right. Benson and Stabler run to go find Dr. Mandel and the music is getting all swelly. Oh, my fucking God. Stephanie is in a room with a surgeon with her legs in stirrups. The surgeon is Dr. Garrison. She says that Mandel ordered the procedure. And they're like, again, what procedure? It's like somebody's, you know. And she's like, one, two, three, four. Terminating the pregnancy. One, two, three, four. I'm sorry, what did you say? (laughs) What did they order? One, two. (laughs) He ordered to terminate the pregnancy. You can't do that, right? Without contacting (sighs) guardians? Like, what in the fuck is going on? What, where, yeah. What, bananas. But we find out. Yeah. In Dr. Mandel's office, he's talking to Benson and Stabler. He's like, "Uh, I understand you interfered with a medical emergency. And then Benson's like, what's that fish doctor talk for (laughs) (laughs) cover-ups? What's that doc talk for cover-ups? Obviously, they think he's trying to get rid of evidence so they couldn't do a paternity test with his DNA. 
so he's like you don't understand this is a medical emergency stephanie's in danger being pregnant and they're like well the doctors at the other hospital didn't seem to think that it was a medical emergency what the fuck dude (laughs) and then mandel's like well they're not experts like i am at coma patients he called dr garrison to get her opinion on it and she agreed that it would be malpractice to allow the pregnancy to continue and then he's like i had the parents consent then he hands them like a pile of papers and Sabre's just like bullshit janice was hysterical when she found out stephanie had been taken back to the rehab and he's like well actually <laughs> i dealt with mr raleigh oh shit oh shit in stephanie's room mr raleigh and janice are talking over stephanie say janice the way you wrote it please janice <laughs> <laughs> They're talking over Stephanie. He's like, I didn't know what else to do. And I knew you would never allow it. And she's like, uh, yeah, duh. To me, it sounds like it wasn't his idea so much as it was making a decision based on what, like, Dr. Mandel told him about continuing the pregnancy and the risks. Mm-hmm. Fucking Janice says, abortion goes against everything we believe in. Then the dad says, this is different. It's Stephanie. And I was like, oh my God. Do you want to raise that monster inside of her? And then Janice is like, that thing is our grandchild. Stabler pulls dad aside to talk because it's getting heated. Then, then he says to him, I'm a father too. Oh, are you? Are you Stabler? Are you a dad? Stabler's like, you know what? You know what this needs? It needs a little sprinkle of fish food and a (laughs) talk from dad. Me. Then dad asked Stabler, what would you do? And he's like, I don't fucking know. I'm just a dad. <laughs> I'm just a dad. I'm just a simple New Balance wearing dad. I wear tank tops on the beach and I got my cell phone clipped to the outside <laughs> of the, my cargo pocket. I like to get home and have a hot meal on the table where I visit my wife and the 35 kids that she's raising while I go to work. Just a dad. I like them all to put their turtles in the garbage disposal and I turn it on. I'm just a fucking dad. I have to get like three tomatoes. Sometimes my wife gets mad at me. So I sleep on the couch or I get an apartment in downtown Manhattan. And we talk about it at the beginning of the season. But then it kind of gets dropped and we don't really deal with it for a while. (laughs) You know, dad's dad stuff. I guard the computer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah, Stabler's a dad. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm a dad, too. Let me help. And he's like, what should I do? And he's like, oh, I don't know. So uh, dad says he visits Stephanie every day in his lunch break. Oh, my God. And then Stabler's like, does Janice come? Mm. He says, no, I come alone. And then he goes, wait a minute. What are you fucking saying? And Stabler says, I'm sorry to have to say this. It's standard procedure, but I got to get your DNA. Dad fucking sandbag drop punches (laughs) Stabler in the face. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) God. That was a 20 pounder, 20 pound bag of sand. 20 pound bag. It sounds like dropping a bag of sand on a stage. It does. Doesn't it's it? great. <laughs> Fucking Benson grabs dad number two and says, you just assaulted a police officer. It's your call, Stabes. She's got her cuffs out. She's waiting for a stabler to decide if she should arrest him or not. And stabler like looks all serious. And he's like, oh, it's okay. Cause we're both dads and we get it. Oh my God. That's what I put in my notes. You did. I put, it's okay. We're dads. <laughs> You did? Yeah, we both really hard love the dad shit. (laughs) I'm going to find a way to work it in. Fishing and dads. Fishing with dads. Dads who are fish who are fishing (laughs) for dads. Fishception. Dadception. (laughs) In the precinct... Toots hands Stabes an ice pack and says, questioning the father as a suspect is never a crowd pleaser. Munch says it's weird that the dad did that and maybe he protests too much. And Stabler's like, you're not a dad. (laughs) Like, he's cool with being punched in the face because he's like, I would totally punch somebody in the face instead of use my words to wrap my mind around how I feel about this moment. Yeah, that's what dads do. They're walking down the stairs to the squad room and Munch is talking about how since the parents are Catholic, they won't allow for an abortion so they can't get fetal tissue Mm -hmm. like to do a DNA test, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, I've never heard of such a thing from stranger rape. Yeah, it sounds like usually he hears of people wanting to get abortions and people get yeah yeah he's assuming that that's the go-to and stabler's like shut up they didn't see her but they were walking down the stairs and olivia was right around the corner and heard munch say that and then heard stabler reply olivia's mom was raped and fucking kept her dude yeah i'm like can you guys just not talk 
keep talking about. No, don't talk about that. And she kind of just looks up and stayed soups cool. And she's like, yeah, my mom made a choice. If it were me, I'd take the morning after pill for sure. Mm -hmm. They'll have to wait a few months to be able to get a paternity test. So for now, they're going to work the case without DNA. Mm -hmm. So far, they've interviewed everyone who's volunteered their DNA. Benson says she's more interested in who didn't give it up. Mm -hmm. There were only two employees who didn't volunteer. Which I thought was, I'm like, only two? Yeah. I mean, makes sense to me. Like, I would be tripping over, like, just take it. I didn't do anything. But yeah, there were only two employees that didn't volunteer. They're going to split up and find out why. Teamwork. At Mount Castle Rehab, Munch and Toots are talking to this dude in scrubs, Mr. Hill, who's on his lunch break eating some lo mein. He is click clack with those chopsticks. This is actor Dion Graham. He was in The Wire. He also comes back as an FBI agent in SVU in 2010. I was extremely surprised to not see more credits in his IMDb because in this scene, his acting was so great and natural. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's listening to Munch talk and he's like, mm hmm. It was just, I, I really liked him. It just felt very not forced. So he says, I know the drill. Somebody committed a crime. So let's check out the black guy. And he goes on about there not being probable cause or a warrant. And it just spits in the face of the Fourth Amendment. Then he says that the DNA is not volunteer based because whoever doesn't want to give it up is an automatic suspect. He is correct on all of these things. Mm -hmm, True. Munch sits down and agrees with everything that he's saying and they start talking conspiracy theory shit. Munch loves that stuff. Oh, he fucking is living for it. And he agrees too. Like, how is he going to fight this guy on what he's saying? Mm -hmm. Toots is like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. He's just like, everybody's habits are stored in a big computer somewhere and it's all about the man's control. And Toots is like, Munch, huh? Toots is trying to bring it back. And he's like, dude, the DNA will exclude you. Can we get it? Oh, my God. I want to go get Chinese food and eat it in the car. But the guy still refuses, gets up, throws his shit in the trash, calls Toots a fascist pig and walks away. Toots is like, what the fuck, Munch? What was that about? And Munch is like, good police work and takes the guy's chopsticks with a bare hand by the way like use Mm -hmm. a glove if you're going to be such a whatever takes it out of the trash to be able to get dna off of it it was discarded therefore fair game Mm -hmm. evidence benson and stabler are inside the rehab center talking to a janitor who was also rain wilson Mm -hmm. who is dwight from the office he's playing this so paranoid and neurotic and i love him in this He's really good at being that guy. Mm-hmm. He's afraid to give his DNA because what if they find out he has some fatal illness? He's like, I don't want to know. What if like an insurance company gets a hold of the test and finds out I have this disease and then denies me insurance? I can't pay for these medical bills. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> <Yeah>. what? <laughs> they assure him that once his DNA is excluded, it gets destroyed, which makes him feel a little bit better. Then he's like, wait, what if I've committed a crime in the past? Can you arrest me? And Stabler's like, um, have you? <laughs> and he's like, no. <laughs> they tell him dude if you don't give us your dna we're gonna have to start digging around all your shit and he's like oh my god well because they were like you're looking like somebody we have to look more into dude you're here at night by yourself and he's like no i'm not there's people all the time there's delivery people there's people from the morgue you know they come and get the uh you know stiffs and they're like fucking bodies dude dead people a gill. so outside on the street benson and stabler are talking to wesley who's a morgue dude who's wash in his car and <laughs> i meant to type wash i know you did <laughs> it's also in my notes because i said it he's washing a hearse <laughs> okay <laughs> okay i'm done i'm like let her have it and then you did it twice and i'm like knock it off <laughs> he's washing a giant fish just kidding <laughs> it's not a giant fish it's a hearse <laughs> how do you even bathe a fish <laughs> He says that sometimes he goes inside the hospital for the vending machines because he's hungry. But he says he doesn't go to the coma wing for snacks. Benson says, oh, come on, all those nights you've roamed the halls with a ding-dong fix? You've never checked out the coma wing? And Stabler, like, looks at Did you see that? He, like, looks at her yeah. and smiles because he... Because it is funny that she said ding-dong. Well, and I think she meant it as a double entendre. Like, of course. Ding-dong fix. And then she looks at Stabes to make sure that he knows that she's talking about the guy's wiener. And he's like... <laughs> He's like, yeah, <laughs> ding dong. That's why we're best friends. <laughs> Dude's like, what are you getting at? <laughs> They're like, just give us your fucking DNA, you creepy fuck. <laughs> he doesn't want to do it. He's like, I know how this fucking works. If you guys can't figure out a case, you plant evidence. And I'm not going to be a fall guy for anything. They told him they found a dropped complaint about him from a uh, Maxine Hatters. He apparently attacked her. He's like, that bitch called the police. She fucking stole my wallet. On the street, Benson and Stabler are talking to Maxine. The whole time they're talking, she's circling them. They're standing still on the sidewalk and she's circling them like a shark in heels. Just (laughs) the whole time. I loved it. 
Mm-hmm. It felt like kind of power movie in a way. Yeah. She says she only took his wallet to turn him in for trying to strangle her. She dropped the charges because she was fucking treated like shit by the police. What a surprise. They convinced her to tell them what happened. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was at this chicken place at like 3 a.m. And this dude comes over and starts asking about like chicken and offers to buy me some. I feel like that's how I would probably hit on somebody. I'd be like, Can I buy you some chicken? Fences say we like, OK, chicken. Sure, Jan. And she's like, um, then we got to the hotel room to eat it. Saber cuts her off and is like, dude, we know he's a John. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, you're all like, I'm a pro, so it doesn't matter if he tries to kill me. And Benson tells her, we don't fucking give a shit what you do for your work. Just give us the fucking story. Please, mm-hmm. can somebody just tell a story in this? Like, just tell what's happening. Just, like, be direct. Can we do this without it taking nine years? Mm-hmm. She said the guy wanted her to strip and lay on the bed and not move or make a sound. And I was like, uh-oh, necro fantasy. But he couldn't get it up. Sable was like, oh, you probably made fun of him. And then he freaked out. She's like, I didn't make fun of him or anything. I was very understanding until he started to fill the bathtub with fucking ice. And I was like, no way! <laughs> She had the bronxiest accent. I love yeah. it. He wanted her to lay on the ice and she was like, uh, nope. And then he started to choke her. He told her he couldn't do it unless she really seemed dead. And then I'm like, oh man, coma patients are like kind of like dead people. I mean, like not moving and talking and stuff, you know? Ugh. In the morgue, Benson Stabler come up on Wesley washing off a dead body. Hosing it down. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. They tell him that they talked to Maxine and they know about the ice bath. And then they say, Maxine wasn't great at pretending to be dead. How was Stephanie's performance? He's like, can you guys fucking get out? I don't want to be fired. So it turns out he's only been with this morgue for a few months. He was at Upson Funeral Home before. They ask him what the fuck happened. Cut to Upson Funeral Home. The director tells Toots that Wesley was super awesome, but it's time for him to move on. After only seven weeks, that's a short amount of time. Yeah. They're like, there had to be something more. Yeah. Munch is like, all right. And he like walks up to this woman who's perusing caskets and tells her that the Federal Trade Commission no longer requires people to buy caskets at their funeral home and that she can save thousands through the supplier. The director guy steps in and he's like... (laughs) It's not considering the huge discount I'm going to give you. We have a whole package. Mm-hmm. Then he walks back to Munch and Toots and is like, oh my God, what you fucking guys? What? What do you want? Turns out they had some thefts, like jewelry, gold, gold fillings, stuff like that. So they installed some cameras. The funeral director says, I'm afraid we did catch him on tape. Cut to Toots and his many faces of confusion. He says, doing what? <laughs> and funeral director goes, the late Mrs. Ferguson. That's right. Doing. Yeah. He was doing her, is what he's saying. He oh. made a clever, gross joke. Oh, yep. In an interrogation room, Benson and Stabler are showing Wesley the video of him raping a fucking dead body. He tells them to turn it off, and Benson says, Oh, relax. It's over in a second. <laughs> shade, bitch, shade. She's like, But you know that, right? Mm hmm. He asks for some water and Benson says, heavy on the ice, right? (laughs) (laughs) She is on fire today, dude. She's so good. On the other side of the glass in Craigan's little locked room. Do you remember that from the Slackers? You hold the key. (laughs) You hold the key (laughs) to to my my little locked room. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. Yeah, that that was actually like a good little song. A good little. Please let me out soon. (laughs) (laughs) That hair doll. (laughs) Devin fucking <laughs> sour. Oh my god. That was a great movie, dude. It was. It really, yeah. Wong and Craig are back there when Benson walks in. Wong tells her that Benson is making Wesley the most nervous because dude is a necrophiliac. His worst fear is to be judged by women. And Benson's judge game is at a ten today. Craig says emasculating him may not be the best tactic for this guy. They got to use a different way. But what is it? I don't know. Why don't we wash around some fucking rando dialogue that doesn't mean shit for the next 10 minutes until we think of a simple idea? I hate this. (laughs) It's fine. Back in the interrogation room, it's just Staves and Wesley. Dude is nervous and biting his nails. Stabler shows him pictures of Stephanie, and he says that he's never seen her before. Stabler goes, (laughs) guy. He's like, yo, I'm a dad. I mean, dude. He's like, I am a man with man parts. I get it. It'd be pretty hard to pass up. Not like she'd know or anything. It's like, Sailor, that doesn't work in every situation. Yeah. It's super normal to want to... This guy knows that it's not like your average sexual kink, right? Right. And the guy's like, 
it doesn't work like that because she's alive. It just doesn't. Yeah. Stabler's one sentence of trying to connect with this guy doesn't work. So he fucking <laughs> Teresa Judice flips the table, slams his hand on it, and he's like, don't fucking split hairs with me, guy. Come on. Yeah. That was like, the- <laughs> that fucking zero to nothing freak out when I was watching it actually made me go. Oh. <laughs> it's like, geez. And Wesley's like, dude, people come out of comas all the time. And Stabler's like, well, what about the sex worker? You tried to fuck her and she was alive. <laughs> Jesus, I'm just sorry. That's not gross. That was awesome. There was so much F in that fuck. <laughs> there was so much bag of sand in that fuck. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> and the dude's like, oh my God, she told you that? She probably told you that I failed too. So was like, yeah, and we all fucking laughed at you. And Wesley just face melts all over the table and goes i knew she'd talk you can't trust a woman with a pulse oh. gross on the other side back on the other side of the glass craigan tells benson to go back in and give him his water huang's like craigan it may not even be wesley in extreme cases of necrophilia some dudes can't maintain an erection that's required to even penetrate his word let alone stay aroused long enough to get a body pregnant cabot walks in right at that time and says so you don't need me after all okay then they go on about this fucked up thing that i didn't know Mm -hmm. turns out necrophilia is only considered sexual misconduct and is a misdemeanor wow blink 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 (laughs) what there's literally nothing that links this guy to Stephanie at the moment. They can't do a paternity test for another two months. Cab's going to charge the dude with necrophilia to just get him off the streets for now. In court, Wesley's being charged with sexual misconduct in front of Judge Arthur Cohen. He talks like a smoker underwater, this judge. Oh my God, I put that in before we started doing all the fish stuff. <laughs> the judge is like... Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> the judge is like, okay, so he was... I don't know why I thought he talked a smoker underwater. What would that even sound like? Hang on. Okay, so he's raping human bodies. <laughs> Wesley pleads not guilty. Cabot wants a bail of $100,000 because dude doesn't have any community ties and is a threat and a flight risk. Stephanie's parents are there watching and so is Wong. Wesley's lawyer contests this and says that he's got no record and the crime was nonviolent. Wow. And I just sprained my eyelids yeah. because I'm blinking so hard. Yeah. <laughs> what? But Cabot says that he's actually the number one suspect in Stephanie's rape, but there's no indictment for that yet. So Wesley's lawyer is like, I don't know what the fuck we're even doing here. Okay. The judge can't even take that into consideration in determining bail if there hasn't been an indictment. Mm-hmm. The defense wants ROR. So the judge sets the bail at $5,000. <laughs> You sound like the guy from True Detective. My family's been here a long time. In the courthouse hallway, Stephanie's parents are giving Cabot shit. And Janice says, so he'll be free tomorrow morning? And then the dad says, free to ruin someone else's daughter? And I was like, wow. That was a weird piece of dialogue. Uh Uh-huh. I thought that was just weird. She's ruined? And her identity is your daughter? I don't know. Yeah. Cabot explains to them, like gently, of course, that they can't charge Wesley with Stephanie's rape because they don't have any evidence. They need the fetus's DNA to figure out who the dad is. But the earliest they can get the DNA is 14 weeks. And she's only six weeks long, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stephanie's dad's like, you could have it now, but we have to get the tissue and Janice isn't having it, of course. No dang abortions. No dang abortions. <laughs> and then Wong has a suggestion. He's basically just saying that there have been efforts to figure out how to determine prenatal paternity early without being intrusive. And he knows a doctor who's doing it. Okay. In the lab, Benson and Huang are talking to this lab lady. Huang's gynofrond who's doing this... Uh, <laughs> early prenatal paternity stuff. This is actor Judy Gold, OMG. This is Gloria from All-American Girl, Margaret Cho's sitcom from the 90s. Did you watch that show? I loved that show. I don't remember. So good. Anyway, this is, uh, she played a character on that show. She's also been in a ton of stuff too, but that was my favorite thing. She's explaining the process to the detectives that just want answers. So she, television magic, just says, well, luckily we have this cell separation technology. I just quoted the scene from Thank You for Smoking the other day when they're talking about getting cigarettes onto the silver screen as a positive thing. So this Mm -hmm. exec is talking to the lobbyist guy and he's like, ooh, let's have the astronauts smoking in space. There's this new movie coming out with astronauts and whatever. And it can be like a fucking Marlboro Man sort of thing. Like it looks cool instead of looking like a villain. Mm -hmm. And the cigarette lobby rep guy is like, wouldn't 
smoking in a highly oxygenated environment cause a major explosion? And the exec goes, yeah, but we can remedy that with one line of dialogue. Thank God we created the whatever machine so we can smoke Mm -hmm. in here now. Yeah, that's like, I felt like that when she said that. She's like, luckily we have this thing. You're like, okay. Luckily, yeah. And she's like, turns it around to show them. Somebody didn't develop it over like trials and trials and years and research. And it was their life's work. Luckily. <laughs> so she got some of Stephanie's blood and was able to find out that the fetus is type A. This is also one of the things where she just would not answer the question. Ugh, yeah. Benson was like, did you get it? Did you get it? Did you fucking get it? She just kept explaining the science and she's like, I don't care. Just answer me. Right. I feel like this episode was, when they wrote it, they were like, dude, this is like 15 minutes. And they're like, yeah. alright, well, we'll figure it out. And this is how they did it. She got some of Stephanie's blood and was able to find out that the fetus is type AB and Stephanie is type A, which means the father has to be type B, but Wesley's type A, so he's not the dad. <laughs> So now Benson's just like flu, 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 flipping through the list of volunteer DNA samples from the staff at the rehab. And she's like, not you. It's not you. It's not you. <sighs> Wait a second. <laughs> what do we have here? Boom. Cut to a talking room. <laughs> Who's in there? Who's in there that Benny and Stabes are talking to? Stephanie's neurologist, Dr. Mandel. And he goes, a ba A lot of people have type B blood. <laughs> and Stabes is like, yeah, one out of ten. We did our research. We did it. We did our research. We do our research a lot. We're never wrong. We're never corrected immediately after we say something. <laughs> but he's the only one that has type B blood and has access to Stephanie. And he was caught trying to abort the evidence. Mm-hmm. It's obviously this guy. He tells them to run his damn DNA and they'll see. Benson tells him that if he makes them wait, they're not going to want to bargain with him. Mm-hmm. He's like, cool, whatever, do it. Kwong walks into the room. He has got some interesting gynecological findings on Dr. Mendel's other female coma patients. Wow. So he's got images from another patient's uterine walls, a patient named Audrey Logan. And this is another drawn out thing where Benson's like, hey, Look at this. Why don't you let us know what this is? And he's like, I'm not a gynecologist. And Huang's like, <laughs> what are you, stupid? We all did gynecology and med school. <laughs> and the guy's like, true. Yeah, it's a healthy uterus. There's no fibroids or like whatevs. Polyps or It seems or fine. Whatever. I don't know. And Huang's like, mm, well, it takes a trained eye. Then why did you say that he should know shit? If like, actually, you probably don't know. I kind of wanted to embarrass you first. And then I was going to stick it to you. <laughs> Huang tells him that if you look closely, you'll find some scarring. Oh, what's that from? Looks like a recent shmushmortion. Yeah. And the doctor's like, well, 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 I am going to need to talk to my attorney after all. (laughs) Yeah. And that was the exact way they all spoke to each other. (laughs) Yeah. In the squad room, Stabler's doing a walk and talk with Craig, and he tells him about the other raped coma victim. Audrey was the captain of her high school's debate team and is now in a coma because she went to a rave three years ago and did too many drugs. Ugh. And then Munch says, yeah, now she's the captain of the drool team. Shut the fuck up, Munch. Munch looked into Dr. Mandelmore and found out that he works twice a week at a biotech company called Diatine. What is he doing there? Parkinson's research. Toots comes back with Audrey's medical information. There's no abortion on file, but she did have a surgery to remove a cyst four months ago. The OBGYN is none other than Dr. Garrison, the same woman who was about to abort Stephanie's fetus. This bitch also works for Diotine. Toots is like looking at the files and he's like, she works at some private lab called, and Munch is like, (laughs) Diotine? And Toots is like, whoa, are you fucking David Blaine? How did you know that? And Munch is like, nope, (laughs) I'm not. I am smug. So I wanted to act like I knew something that I heard 10 seconds ago. Exactly. Lucky guess. Shut up, Munch. In Dr. Garrison's office, she tells Benson and Stabler to mind their own business. Stabler says, uh, Dr. Mandel rapes and you scrape? It's a classic rape and scrape? Ew. Okay, yeah. She tells him that Mandel is not a rapist, and all of this is not what you think. Can one asshole be direct in this episode? I know. It's not what you think. I'm going to walk away and pensively look off down the hall. I have other things to think about. She says since President Bush limited stem cell research, Mandel lost all of his shit because he couldn't do any more research, and they had to turn to private resources. And I was like, oh, my God, I knew it. She says it's all legal. She asked them if they know Davis Lang. So this guy is some software magnet. He put up all the money for the research. 
Mm-hmm. She definitely believes that this is all for the greater good. The greater good. Greater good. They're like, uh, these women got raped. And she's like, no, they weren't raped. They were inseminated. And then the camera pans in on her face super hard for some reason and like knocks her in the forehead and then backs <laughs> up a little bit. It boops her nose. Yeah. Oh. She swims into the side of the fish tank. <laughs> I thought it was a real cave. <laughs> <laughs> At the hospital, Mandel is doing a walk and talk with Benson and Stabler, and he says that Stephanie's parents signed a blanket consent that covered, quote, experimental procedures. He says he's done everything to bring Stephanie out of the coma, and he's not doing anything wrong. He's not profited from any of it or anything. And then Stabler's like, no, this wasn't for her. This was for an old, sick billionaire. And then he stops, and he's like, look, do you have any idea what Parkinson's does to the body? He had become a neurologist because he watched his dad deteriorate and die with, from Parkinson's. He was trying to help. That's what he says. He doesn't want to see anyone else suffer the way his father did. And then he's like, all medical advances have a price. He goes on to talk about like different medical research that has ended in death. And had people stopped, a lot more people would suffer in the future. He was talking about that bone marrow research, like the first mm-hmm. 10 patients died or something. He says that Stephanie and Audrey are no worse than they were before. What he needs is a genetic match to put the stem cells in David Langley's brain. It's all experimental, but it's the dude's only hope. And I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) At Langley's house, Stabler and Cabot are talking to Langley's attorney who descends down the stairs like Julia Stiles in 10 Things I Hate About You on prom night. (laughs) They're like, you're beautiful. (laughs) He's like, thanks, guys. And he like looks away shy and gets his corsage. Mustache comb. (laughs) Gets his mustache comb. Oh my God, he's got little butterfly clips in it. Uh, all the glitter around his eyes he's like the half walrus half octopus lawyer Mm. right he's got the octopus legs he won't let them see langley anything they want to say they can say to him he says that langley's too sick right now to be seen Mm -hmm. langley's lawyer says that his client can't be held responsible if any laws were broken by these doctors without his knowledge and stabes goes right this is a quote he had no idea why he was jerking off into a cup can they say that he said jerk it off on NBC. They would never <laughs> reference female masturbation in a crass way like that on yeah. prime time. Right. He was jerking off. <laughs> anyway, the lawyer's like, you guys are going to be pretty hard pressed to get an indictment. So mm-hmm. bye. And he doesn't break eye contact, gives them middle fingers from all of his octopies and... <laughs> Back up the stairs. In the precinct, Huang and Cabot are doing a walk and talk. This is a wild-ass conversation. Cabot tells Huang that the grand jury is letting her go after both doctors, but not billionaire Langley. Huang's confused because there was an enormous donation that Langley made to Dietine, and it was obvious that that was a payment for stolen goods. So Cabot explains that since body parts have no monetary value because selling body parts is illegal, they can't charge it as a felony, which is fucking nuts because body parts are sold on the black market all the time. Couldn't they pull something from that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, this guy has millions of dollars. Billions. He's a b- b- mm. billionaire with a bubba b. Billionaire. Cabot's going for aggravated sex abuse one since they impregnated Stephanie without her knowledge, but that's tough since there was no sexual gratification involved, says them. Huang's like, you can fucking do it, bitch. Go in there and play the emotion card to that jury. What if it was your mom, sister, whoever? And she's like, Got it. So in court, Janice is on the stand. (laughs) Cabot's explaining to the jurors that Stephanie is in a coma and there's no way she could have consented to being impregnated and having the fetus aborted for Mandel's experiment. Janice is saying that Stephanie would never have agreed to it. Janice starts talking about visiting her daughter every day. She knows Stephanie's in there somewhere. She wants to be there when Stephanie wakes up. Now it's Mandel's lawyer's turn. Like mom's just Mm -hmm. having a hard time in the stand. It's all emotion for her, obviously. Well, who's Mandel's lawyer? Fucking lawyer Trevor. Boo boo, Marishka's hubs. So he's asking her about Stephanie and what she did. She worked with special needs kids and was super nice. Lawyer Trevor has a copy of Stephanie's driver's license. And he's like, oh, she was a she was an organ donor, huh? <gasps> as soon as he said that, I'm like, you I know little fucker. He's always shifty. Remember, he was one that was interviewing that like remember that episode about like 
people being ba- born bad or like the genes, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, I'm no scientist, but, you know, remember? <laughs> yeah. So he uses this to explain that Stephanie was dedicated to helping people before and after her death. She's not dead, first of all, but she that's like after her coma, whatever, in yeah. whatever way that I can help. Like, oh, I'm an organ donor. So if I die, take my organs and I want to help people. So he's mm-hmm. trying to use this. He's trying to spin this. He says maybe it's possible that Stephanie would have wanted to do this to help millions suffering from Parkinson's. It's a crazy manipulation of what's happening. And mom goes off about how Stephanie would never get an abortion. Stephanie loved children. She would never. Okay. I'm going to take just a a tiny little bloop on that. It's not what we're talking about, but please don't assume because you have a belief about something that you can train your kids to believe that same thing. Sorry, Janice. You don't know that about your daughter. A -hmm. lot of uterist people that choose to not continue a pregnancy love children. Like, I just Mm -hmm. did not like how that was said. Yeah. But also... I don't like that. I don't like he's like, maybe Stephanie would have wanted to do this to help millions suffering of Parkinson's. They wouldn't credit Stephanie for anything. She wouldn't even know that she was helping anybody. This is a this is a reach, Trevor. Right. Anyway, mom's like, bah, Mantel, we trusted you. You trust you to help our daughter, not use her as a human petri dish she like yells that last part too and it was awesome yeah now mandel's on the stand in his own defense his lawyer asks him what good could come from the experimental procedures mandel hopes that it could cure parkinson's there would be treatments for alzheimer's spinal cord injuries heart disease diabetes a ton of other stuff he says that embryonic stem cells are the holy grail in medical research they are way different than adult stem cells these cells haven't decided what they're going to become yet so there's a lot of opportunity to like train them to decide to grow into whatever cell type they may need for a patient. It's his hope to be able to replace the damaged cells in Parkinson's patients. In the court hallway, Benson tells Cabot that she is shocked that Mendel would take the stand in his own defense. He really doesn't think he did anything wrong. The problem is, is if he reaches even one juror who has watched someone suffer from Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, he could totally walk. Mandel's lawyer walks up and says that there is a new witness and hands him a piece of paper. And oh my God, it's fucking Davis Langley. When lawyer Trevor handed Cabot that paper, he then looked at Benson in slow motion and Dreamweaver started playing. And I just really think that we need to, oh, every time they're in a, like a tiny scene together, I'm like, oh, this is just a, just a little piece of their love story. I wonder if they watch old episodes together that they like are in a scene together. And he's like, oh my God, I was so nervous to do that scene because you were just like so pretty. And she's like, I know. Bang you so hard. <laughs> My basement was flooded all over that floor. <laughs> all right, Langley's on the stand. This is actor Philip Bosco. After this role, he goes on to play the reoccurring role of trial judge Joseph Terhune in SVU. So he's telling everybody about six years ago till now about how much his Parkinson's has progressed. It's pretty sad to hear about the struggle he has to go through. Yeah, he's physically having symptoms of Parkinson's on top of talking about what he deals with. So it's like very clear that this guy is struggling. Yeah. He says he chose to come forward today because he feels like they're prosecuting the wrong man. He says that Mandel fought him tooth and nail and was very clear that this wasn't ready for human trials, but Langley doesn't have years left to wait and took the risk anyways. Now it's Cabot's turn with Langley. She asked him if he knew how Mandel got the stem cells and he said it was his idea, which is fucked. He's not a doctor, but he read everything there is on the subject. And then Cabot says, oh, but who cares about comatose women in the name of science? Hmm? And Langley says that he has sympathy for Stephanie's family, but their daughter left the earth a year ago. He says that out of that tragedy could come a gift of life for tons and tons of other people. Cabot asks him why he didn't just hire a surrogate. He's fucking rich as fuck. Mm -hmm. He felt he couldn't ask any woman to knowingly carry the burden of what they needed to do for the experiment. Bullshit. Right. There are so many women who don't believe that life begins at conception, first of all. And it's not like this fear-mongering stuff regarding stem cell misinformation that Planned parenthood protesters spread like Mm -hmm. is in actuality what's happening there's no partial birth late term shit happening here it's like Mm -hmm. the the they don't take the i know it's not they're not taking it into the third trimester they're not like she's not giving birth to a whatever it's just it's the stem cell it's a anyway it's just weird literally i would never ask any woman to whatever is that a thing we're doing now can we harvest stem cells from like doing that no probably not it's probably illegal because of christianity but you know what i'm saying like yeah a lot i would volunteer to do that 
I fucking would. Cabot says to him, you just fucking, lit- did you know you literally just fucking confessed to being a co-conspirator in the crime? And this dude says, young lady, look at me. Prison can't compare to what I'm facing now. Even if it's too late for me, it could end up helping m- millions. I'm willing to be the guinea pig. Please make it happen, please. And it's fucking like the juries. Ever- I mean, even Stephanie's parents are like, ugh, poor guy. You know, in the squad room, Cabot walks in. And she's quiet. Oh my God, Benson's like, no, these dudes got slaps on the wrist. The only guilty charge was the straight battery. <laughs> Stabler says, oh my God, they tried to steal a human fetus. A guy in Jersey got 10 years for selling stolen horse sperm. And I was like, what? Where did that come from? And what the fuck is that story? Why did you hail Mary that into the end of this episode? <laughs> yeah, but there's no precedent for this kind of case yet. Like technology isn't whatever. Oh my God. So Janice walks in. She's fucking wildly upset. She's like, you have to stop him. Davis Langley. He just filed for custody of the baby. He wants to take my grandchild away from me. He can't do that. Can he? His attorney says he's the biological father. You just established that for him in court. He says that biology always wins. Stabler takes this distraught Janice to go sit down. And then Benson asks Cabot, like, why the fuck does Langley want this baby? And Cabot's like, with custody of the child comes the umbilical cord. Stabler fucking cartwheels between them and screams i've cut four umbilical cords it's not exactly something you save for the scrapbook i'm a dad i'm a dad i'm a i'm a i'm a dad i'm a dad i'm a dad i'm a dad but the point is i'm a dad but the point is is that the cord is fulfilled to the brim of stem cells it is a glass of stem cell orange juice Splish splash, it's a stem cell. <laughs> oh my god. So, and half of the stem cells will be his perfect genetic match. Right. Holy shit, what a crazy episode. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like kind of wish they would come back to this and see how the experiment worked. I know. In December of 1985, a 19-year-old Rochester woman was driving on a rural road in Ithaca, New York with her boyfriend. Her car hit a patch of ice and the car slid into a tree. The boyfriend received care for broken bones and recovered. Unfortunately, the young woman, known only as Kathy, who had just enrolled in Cornell University, experienced a much more serious head injury. This injury left her in a vegetative state, restricted her to a bed, and without the ability to communicate. She was moved to many different hospitals and long-term care facilities over the subsequent years, but in February of 1995, nearly 10 years into living this way, Kathy was again transferred. This time, it was to the Westfall Healthcare Center in Brighton, New York. It was a new facility, and the family was excited because it was readily equipped to care for people with the needs that Kathy had. But after six months of being in their care, nurses made a discovery. Kathy was five months pregnant. She had been raped in the care of this nursing home facility. Her family was, of course, devastated by this, but decided they wanted Kathy to move forward with the pregnancy and had her moved to Strong Memorial Hospital. The mother said, I know my daughter, and if she could speak, she would want to have this baby. They were also Catholic. Okay. So there was no way that they were going to, I mean, terminating that is technically an abortion and and that's something that they're not going to do. Two months later, Kathy gave birth to a little boy. He was premature, of course. He was born at seven months and had some heart issues. But once the required surgery was performed, he was a healthy little dude. He would go on to be raised by his maternal grandmother, Kathy's mom. Sadly, Kathy passed away just a year after giving birth. Oh, God. It it had more to do with complications of being in a long-term coma. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so on to finding this piece of shit rapist. July of 1996. Oh, hi, nurse's assistant at the Westfall Healthcare Center, John Horace. We've got your DNA that matches the DNA of this baby, and we have a slam dunk case against you. Oh, shit. He was arrested and charged with rape and sexual abuse. This guy had a shady-ass past to begin with, so the fact that he was working with members of such a vulnerable community blows my mind. Turns out, Horace had quite the history of being a sexual predator. When he was young, he was charged with molesting a teenage family member. He got the nursing assistant's job at Westfall in August of 95 and was assigned to work in Kathy's unit, and he was immediately disliked. Women, residents, and staff reported his unprofessional and creep-ass behavior from day fucking one. A staff member reported that they walked into Kathy's room and found him standing next to Kathy's completely nude body. And it wasn't the only time he was found alone with Kathy. He was actually fired from the facility in mid-September, so not even like a month into working there for the sexual assault of another patient. She was able to communicate that he had put his finger inside of her. This other 
patient, the reason he was fired. In late 1995, after his awful crimes at the nursing home, he was under investigation for operating a business out of the unfinished basement of his home in Rochester. That business? Sex therapy. Without a license or any proper credentials, obviously. He was later charged with the sexual assault of the other Westfall patient and for impersonating a sex therapist. He was convicted and sentenced to 25 years. In 2013, Horace was released from prison at 69 years old on conditional release. But nine months after his release, he was spotted driving by a parole officer, which was a violation of his release conditions. They followed him home and upon inspection found two pornographic DVDs. And that's violation number two. He wasn't supposed to have that shit either. He was arrested and taken to Monroe County Jail. He was sentenced to 42 months for these violations. As of 2019, Horace was 75 and being held in a treatment facility created for sexually violent predators. So today he's either 78 or dead. So I'm not sure. This case enacted what's now known as Kathy's Law. This law Mm -hmm. states that background checks are required for nursing home employees. So you would think that that's like a given, like, oh my God, this guy had this history of sexual abuse and was charged for a sexual assault of a family member, like a young family member, and still got this job working with this vulnerable community. But it's because it wasn't a requirement to do background checks. Mm. And now it is because of Kathy. Wow. I mean, yeah, she remained anonymous. They called her Jane Doe throughout the entire trial, but Mm -hmm. it was after that the family allowed her first name to be public so that they could name the law after her. Mm -hmm. But the son who came from this awful, terrible crime was raised by his grandparents, like I said. And by all accounts, like we don't get to know who he is, obviously, but the attorney who represented the family, John Perinello, did some interview and was saying, how like the boy is doing well now he's like in his 20s but that's it and so this was partly what the episode was based on obviously yeah Yeah. then they threw in the parkinson stuff and it just what a wild episode it was really good yeah i didn't remember that one at all i didn't either except the obviously the rain wilson scene because it's like comes up in clips and stuff all the time if you look up anything but Mm. all right okay Next week, it's season four, episode nine, Juvenile. A cancer patient who grows and sells weed is found raped and murdered. A couple of fucking tweens are fucking lying and blaming everybody. So (laughs) we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Hey, you guys. Hey, what's up? Follow us on social media at SVU Pod. Check out our Patreon. Come get all that extra content. You want to hear us talk about stupid shit that is sometimes based on this and sometimes not in extra long episodes. These episodes are way too long. Uh, and you might like it, though. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a salesperson. Go on to our Facebook and join SVU Pod Elite Squad. Yeah. Email us, svupod at gmail.com. Yeah, like a third of the way into the season. Episode eight, there's 25 episodes, so we're almost a third of the way. Yeah. Nice. Fucking (laughs) choo-choo. (laughs) Choo-choo. TNG, workout train. Boop, boop. Choo-choo. Tricep dips. Okay. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Just see where it goes. Yeah. Just see see what happens. Just see what happens. Just dip a toe in. Give a back rub. See what happens. I I sipped some fireball earlier and my brain is doing this clown thing. And also you look so cute. Your space buns and new jumper and earrings. And I just ding dang love them. Even if you were a gross little salamander with no cute hair and earrings, I would love you. Probably even more. From now on, I'm calling you Frodo. P.S. Please become a salamander. I love them. Look for asparagus in the front seat. And look for asparagus. Yes, she did. I carry a peering knife in my glove box just in case. I carry one in mine too, but it's for safety. (laughs) I'm not forging shit. He says he's never alone. There's always people around doing night shifts like morgue folk. Mm -hmm. Morgue folk, like they're from the Middle Earth. (laughs) I'm not saying it like this. Why are these notes like this, That's what he said. He did not say hard on. Boner? He did not say hard. (laughs) He probably said boner. In extreme cases of necrophilia, he's like, you some- can't get all the blood. It's ding dong and stay there. <laughs> <laughs> ding dong filling. That's just ding dong. <laughs> ring ding dong. Ring a ding 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 dong. That's just ring ding. <laughs> you hold the key. You hold the key to my little love. And to our Elite Squad patrons, Haley K, Sonia W, Jenny S, Sky K, Marissa M, LKH, Sarah A, Annie G, Mary D, 
Andrew, Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Marin. Vanessa, Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Emily A, Katrina C, Kate H, Uyana, Nicole R, Julia P, Sapphire. Kayla, Allison B, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jana M, Tammy J, Sarah G, Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, and Laura D. All them D's. Bring me those D's. <laughs> That's a lot of meat. <laughs> All right. We love you and appreciate do, do, you. Do, do, do. Love you. Yeah, we appreciate Thanks, you. Guys. Thanks so much for making this possible for us. We think you're cool and pretty. And I like your hair. And you have a great dog, I guess, probably. <laughs> There's not a lot of cat people on this podcast, I notice, when, huh. when, I've, when I've stalked them on their social medias. You know what? Any kind of animal lover I'll take. As long as it's not a bird. You can love birds. If you have a bird, I hope you're best friends with your bird. I, I'm not, I'm not gonna... Come over to your house. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't. All right. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. 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 Bye.